0: This is Transcend with Nat, where we're discovering our higher purpose and sharing stories and awarenesses along the path of transcendence. Hi, and welcome to the show today. Glad to have you. I'm Nat. I'm your host. I think we've got a great show today. We're going to be interviewing Siri Kalsa, who's a paramedic. He's going to be talking to us about the life lessons that he learned while working in the back of an ambulance. I think it's going to be some real interesting stuff there. But first, I'm going to talk about some things that are on my mind, uh, what's current for me. So what's on my mind today is black cumin seed oil. Now, my health guru She's many things to me, including my health guru, Seth Huddy, who is Siri's sister and has her finger on the pulse of all things alternative in the health area. She has told me and made me uh, start taking black seed oil or black cumin seed oil. And I did it because she told me to do it. And then I decided to find out <laughs> what its properties are and do some research on it. Um, and this stuff is absolutely incredible. Uh, they, it's great for asthma and allergies. Uh, there's good for uh, psoriasis and skin, certain skin issues. Your digestion. Uh, it's been used for rem- in remedies for intestinal parasites. Um, there's preliminary studies it's shown to inhibit growth of colon cancer cells with no negative side effects it's uh, been used to battle candida and fungus it had there's a number of studies uh, with the one of the compounds in black seed oil that helps uh, induce cell death and leukemia it has Studies have shown it has the same effect in breast cancer cells, brain tumor cells, pancreatic cancer, cervical, oral cancer cells, and cavity-forming bacteria. Um, It's sometimes um, recommended as a natural protection against some of the danger from radiation and use in conjunction with conventional treatments. It's good for heart health, which is uh, part of why I am on it, uh, to promote healthy cholesterol levels, and help normalize blood pressure. Um, it's shown in studies to have a protective effect on the heart, also getting rid of uh, or helping effective against um, MRSA and MRSA and I believe you call that MRSA, um, and H. pylori infections and immune health. I mean, this thing just, it just goes on and on. and it, and especially, it can supposedly help um, certain bacteria that are antibiotic resistant, and all these things. Of course, I'm sharing with the, this with you what I'm doing. This is for information, educational purposes, and uh, you know, check with your doctor before you do anything. Uh, that's my my disclaimer. But this stuff is incredible. So it's definitely <laughs> inspired me to uh, get on top of it and really use it a lot more and um so that's what that's what i'm doing that's what's on my mind um and thank you Sadi, for strongly recommending that i that i start taking this so let's move on now to the next part of the show So today on the show, we have Siri, Siri Khalsa. He is a paramedic. He was the bodyguard of the spiritual teacher, Yogi Bhajan. Um, Spent many years on an ambulance, teaches emergency medicine to emergency medical personnel, as well as law enforcement and special forces. He was in Iraq and Afghanistan as a medic in the most recent wars. And uh, I know, I've known Siri for a while, but he actually taught me some medicine. He uh, was hired to teach me and Jay Sue who both took care of our spiritual teacher, teacher John Roger. He gave us private lessons uh, in emergency medicine to help us uh, in situations that we may come across when, as JR got older, and we actually had to use those uh, techniques at various times to save JR's life and, uh, and for other things. So we are both very grateful to Siri for that. But today we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some lessons that Siri learned uh, in his life experience on the ambulance as a medic. So Siri, hi. Hi.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> quite a uh, quite a CV you've got there. Thanks. Yeah.
1: It was uh, hard earned.
0: Yeah, I imagine. Um, so first off. Um, Part of why I wanted to have you on the show is that you mentioned you were in a course and they were teaching things about psychology and, and life lessons and things like that. And you said that everything you learned about life, you learned on an ambulance. And I thought, well, now that sounds like a good story. So why don't we get right into it and tell us, tell us a few things you've learned on the, on the ambulance and maybe some stories. It doesn't have to be on the ambulance, just in, sure. in your life.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, so I was sitting in that course and it, it's it, it's still ongoing and they talk about a lot of life lessons and, and um, you know psychology and, and you know spirituality and sort of the, the things that sort of the games that we play with ourselves or the obstacles that we have a lot of us have in our lives and prevents our or makes it harder, to attain our own happiness or success or what have it. Um, And I, when they would talk about, it didn't happen with everything, but, but, but often when they would talk about a particular exercise and the point of it and what, what they were, their little sort of mini topic they were talking about. And I would have this thing flash through my head and go, Oh yeah, I experienced that. I learned that. And I learned that in the back of an ambulance and I would, Imagine I could picture some patient that, or group of patients that taught me that lesson, and um, it happened multiple times. And uh, the the thought popped in my head. I th- I thought everything I learned in life, as it pertains to that sort of stuff, I learned in the back of an ambulance, and that's what made me say that. Um. Uh. I I, I just some sort of general thoughts. I I think we learn through adversity. I don't think we learn when things are simple and, and easy. And, uh, certainly there's a lot of adversity in the back of an ambulance, not for me necessarily, but for my patient. And I, you know, I was, I, I was a part of that. Um, one of the big ones I learned was, uh, um, or at least was introduced to was, was compassion and kindness and, the group that I think of that taught me this were, uh, overdoses. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I have an unflattering view of myself. Um, I, I, don't think that, that the, in, in regards to the lessons learned, um, when I started out in EMS, uh, and I was, a um, when I first got on the ambulance and I was kind of a newly minted paramedic and, you know, I, I just wanted to be elbow deep in blood and thought, you know, I want the adrenaline and I just want to be in the middle of can I swear on a podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be in the middle of the shit. I want, you know, like I wanna feel it. I want it to be as intense as possible. But it was about me, it wasn't about my patients. And uh overdoses and in the area I worked up in northern New Mexico. Um, before the, the opioid epidemic hit the whole country, um, this little area in northern New Mexico had consistently had the highest rate of opioid overdoses and it was predominantly heroin for the previous 15 years before the the opioid epidemic ever hit. So we I could run on three or four or five overdoses in a day in a shift. And when it started out with those guys, I, I would – For some reason, I don't even remember why, but I'd be so indignant as if they overdosed to ruin my shift (laughs) or ruin my day, you know, like, and, and I I got caught up in this thing of like, I, I, you know, how dare they? And like, it's so stupid. And why do they do this? And, and what I, what happened was, and in hindsight, I could see this is my capacity to stay angry about something not worth being angry about was not stronger than their will to keep using heroin and overdosing. <laughs> <laughs> so literally all of these tragic stories beat me down. And they, I, I, I can remember when I gave up uh, and I was just tired of being angry. And I reached this place... What it turned into was, um, I don't know if I turned to compassion, but I definitely turned to neutrality. I was neutral with these people. And it was amazing Um, when I was angry or I was, you know, upset with them or lecturing them or, you know, they, they just tuned me out and I got nowhere as soon as I switched to a neutral place where I wasn't judging them for what they did. And, uh, you know, my standard line was, um, as they came to, after we'd given them Narcan, um, and we used to, for any of you who know anything about that, we would give it as an intermuscular injection so that they would come around slowly instead of bringing them up quickly. Um, I would see them, you know, start to make purposeful movements, and their eyes would start to flutter, and and I knew I could start talking to them. Then they had they weren't, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, they weren't fully back in their body, and I would say, "Hey, you're in the back of an ambulance. You're in a safe place. My name's Siri. I'm paramedic," Um, and I would just say that as they'd come to, and uh, they were very calm, and then I would just start asking them a series of questions that I needed to ask. Hey, I just got asked. Did you take pills or did you shoot up? It makes a difference as to you know how I treat you and and uh, you know how's it going. Can I get you anything? And I didn't feel sorry for them, but I didn't judge them. And in being in that what I call a neutral place and talking to them, they opened up to me and I heard their stories. And their stories were were brutal. You know, a lot of these guys had started using when they were as young as 11 or 12 years old and a cousin had got him using or a brother or an uncle um, and you know when you when you heard the actual stories and to me anyways and they humanized it 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 um, it brought me even more into that place of like I, I gotta stop judging these people I gotta stop giving them shit I mean I don't have to I don't have to like you know, get into this emotional crap with them, you know, I'm going to remain somewhat detached from this, but I'm going to treat them with kindness and, and uh, I'm not going to relate to the story that got them in the back of the ambulance. And what reinforced that is that I got further. I, got, I was able to take care of my patients better. They responded to what I was doing. Um, the families responded to what I was doing. And that had a lot of ramifications. It allowed me to take care of my patients better. It made mine and my partner's working conditions safer, less likely to have a, a, a physical altercation. Because uh, some of these scenes, I mean, when you go into them, it's it's kind of ugly. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's not the best house. It's maybe a rundown single-wide trailer, and maybe you know, as a rural county, maybe law enforcement wasn't there yet. Um, so you know, you had the added added benefit of of additional safety. Uh, so that was that was kind of the first one that 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 got me going, and then, um, you know, another lesson I learned is I I I became very how do I put this? I developed a relationship with death. I watched a lot of people die, and I watched people die slowly. And it was expected. I watched people die of, 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 you know, old age and had a heart attack or a stroke. And that was, you know, that was the end. It was unexpected. It was not unexpected, but nobody expected it that day. I saw people die very unexpectedly at young ages, trauma, medical, all kinds of things. And it, it gave me a real appreciation for, um, None of us know how long we have here. None of us know when our last day, our last breath is. None of us know, uh, you know, the circumstances under which that will happen. And uh, and so, I know it sounds like a cliche, and we've 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 all heard it, but it's another thing to really see it and experience it and um, get busy living. You know, appreciate the life you have now. Appreciate the time you have. You don't know how long you have, but you also don't know how long anybody else has either. Um, You know, I have two daughters. uh, And it, it sounds maybe gruesome to some people, but I know that I may outlive them. It'll break my heart. But I know that that's a real possibility and that I have very limited... if if any, control over that whatsoever. Um, and then, you know, so that was another one that that I learned. And it's one thing, I mean, I can say this kind of stuff to people and, you know, people can shake their head and go, yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that. You know, I hear what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I'm talking about something more than that. I'm talking about, like, really profound moments where you, you – roll up on a on a car accident and a drunk driver crossed the median and just took out a family of three or you know I remember I had a paramedic student and uh, as a paramedic when you're done with school they send you out for six weeks in the field with a with a uh, mentor so he was my intern and nice guy but he had a white cloud over him. And in our line of work, that means that he just wasn't getting good calls. You know, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't real busy. And he came specifically up to come work with us because he had heard, you know, this is where you get a lot of experience and things happen. And he came from a fairly large fire department, um, large by New Mexico standards. So, you know, a town of 60, 70,000 people, you know, now he's in a, a town of twelve thousand with a surrounding county of another maybe twenty thousand. But you know, we could it was very rural, so we could easily drive 30, 40 minutes an hour one way just to get to the call. And we didn't have a lot of resources. So <laughs> we didn't have anything going on. It was pretty slow. And he was probably four weeks, four or five weeks. We were we were nearing the end of his time, and he not a lot had been happening, a little bit here and there. And I'll never forget, me and my partner and this guy, we were sitting in Burger King with those stupid Burger King crowns on our head, <laughs> in our uniforms, <laughs> eating onion ribs, because we were just bored. I'll, I won't forget it. And we were just messing around. And the call, the, the pager goes off, the tones go off. And there's a thing in this line of work where y- y- you know your district and you know when calls come in, especially when it comes to motor vehicle crashes, depending on where it is, there's a lot of potential for it to be serious or not. So the location of this call comes in on the edge of town where the, where it's highway speeds, and then it slows down as it hits the first traffic light. And you're like, man, this is this real potential for this not to be good. Um, or in his case, because he wanted – or good, depending on your your, your perspective. <laughs> yeah. So we get yeah. out there and uh, some lady, I'm a little hazy on the details, but if I remember correctly, I remember what she did and I don't remember why. She was speeding, came up to the light, she was leaving town, wasn't paying attention, looked up, hit a car, but kind of careened off it, went across the median went down into the dip, and then came up. And as she came out of the median, went a little airborne, hit a van on the side, flipped that over, and then she turned over, and then her car went upside down on another car.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So we had, uh, I think we had one, two, three, four. We had at least four, if not five cars involved. Wow. And we were one ambulance with three people. Wow. (laughs) And we had, you know, six or seven or eight patients several of them were critical. And it turns out, I think in the minivan that got flipped over and a car hit it, there was two or three kids. Wow. And we knew help was going to come, but it was going to take a while for it to get there. So do you
0: prioritize or how do you handle that? Well, absolutely
1: you prioritize, but here's the thing. Generally speaking, when you have an intern, they work and you look over their shoulder. That wasn't going to happen. He had. To, he was in the deep end. I grabbed him by the shoulder. I looked at him and I said, you're on your own. I'm going to give you patience. If you don't know what you're doing or you're out of depth, you need to make some noise and you need to let me know what's going on. But I can't help you with these. Yeah. And I handed him a kid who was
0: like wow,
1: three or four. And I gave him two other patients.
0: So welcome. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to being a paramedic.
1: So- You know, we, we worked and then eventually we got three whole ambulances (laughs) to show up. It took a while. Uh, The second one got there within, you know, maybe 10 minutes. And the third one, it took another 15 or 15 minutes after that. Uh, Landed helicopters, flew some people out, you know, did some triage, took some people locally, ended up transferring people. But it was our call. It was, there was several critical patients and, it was a real trial by fire for him, and I remember he came up to me afterwards, and he said, "All that stuff I was saying, I want to be done. I just want to go back to my city. I want to go back to where I have help." I'm is, is that okay. I, I yeah. I'm sorry I asked for any of that. Um, and some people are cut out for that, and some people aren't. But you know, imagine you're that family sitting in a minivan with your kids, and across the median some lady speeding hits a car comes into the median and you know they probably looked over and saw this car coming saw this car come out of the median go airborne and broadside their van and flip them over and you just you have no idea you know what are the odds yeah and so you know the randomness of life the randomness of and quite frankly you know dying's easy in that case, you know, what happens if now you have a child who has, uh, you know, severe impairments from a head injury that you take care of or, or dad, you know, or, you know, just any number of combinations. Yeah. And so, and so and in a way we're, we're, we're resilient, but in another way, life is very fragile. And, you know, I don't know if you call it karma. I don't know if you call it, you know, some people call it spiritual curriculum. I don't know if you call it fate, luck, whatever you want to call it. Point being, you just don't know.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, one of the things people on spiritual path, you know, get to is that we don't have control. And it sounds like on the ambulance, you got to that place in a very uh, tangible, real, experiential way that you just don't have control of that. And you got to see it probably more than most most people.
1: You don't have control. And where I really learned that particular lesson was I had to learn to not be invested emotionally in the outcome of my patients. And I, after years, I mean, I worked probably too many hours, too much overtime. I, I clocked more hours than anybody else regularly. And what I learned to do was I'm going to do my job, I'm going to do the best I can but I'm not responsible for the outcome of this patient.
0: And did you have patients that you thought were easy and then they died on you and patients that you thought there's no way and they lived or how did that go? I,
1: there's a, there's a funny thing with that. I had one patient that I can recall who died on me and I didn't see it coming. Neither did my partner. Um, It, it, presented like a poly drug overdose maybe partying too hard we never quite got the straight family straight story from the family guy was in his late 30s 40s uh, they came home found him he was not making a lot of sense his heart was racing but it really did but 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 not not dangerously so and um, it took a while for us to you know, sort out the dynamics of the family and figure out, got the backstory and then we're going to transport him to the hospital. Again, we had another student for this one. And me and my partner put this uh, patient in the back and our student got there and we're like, all right. And uh, I remember telling the family, and it's the only time I made this mistake and I never said it again. They said, should, should we come with you? And, you know, typically we, we would be willing to take one family member in the ambulance Especially if we thought, you know, the patient wasn't going to make it or something, then, then uh, you know, it meant a lot to the family to to see that everything that could be done was done, and they were there when they died. And for some families, that's that's important. And I remember telling the, the family, like, no, no, just you know, it was like a maybe maybe ten minute ride to the to the ER. Like, just meet us there. It's no big deal. It's going to just be a quiet ride. In we left the house. We're driving down the road. I, I'd, I, you know, a little hazy. Maybe within less than a minute of leaving the house, the student says to me and my partner because we got a firefighter to drive our ambulance for us. He says, "Is he dead?" And we looked at him and looked at the cardiac monitor and went, "Oh my god, he is!"
0: <laughs> oh <my> god. <laughs> and it
1: just happened all of a sudden. Like wow, you know, most people when they die, they sort of. They sort of, you know, all their vital signs just slowly depress, and it's like this gradual, you know, thing in a, in a medical scenario like that. And he just died.
0: He's just gone.
1: And to this day, I don't know because we weren't privy to the, the autopsy. But I couldn't be attached to the outcomes of my patients. I just – I had signed up to do a job, and I was good at what I did, and I put everything into it, Um. But I, I, I didn't have a God complex where I thought I'm saving this person or I'm not. I also, by the way, was not like so Zen or spiritual about it that I'm like, oh, I'm just an instrument of, and I'm just, no, I was pretty matter of fact about it. Like, I'm going to go do my job. But, but the outcome is not contingent on whether or not I did a good job. Um. And I and, and, and I didn't read this anywhere, it's just something that I came to is like this is out of my hands. I this is beyond what I can control. I can only do what I can do and the and I can't be attached to the outcome. And and I, I came to that out of a, a sort of a sense of survival, not like for my own sanity.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. You can't you can't do this kind of work and, and become emotionally invested or you won't last. Um
0: Okay. Has that transferred to other areas in
1: your life? It it has over time. Um you know, because
0: most people feel like if they do a good job, it's almost there's an they consider if if they get the results that they're looking for that somehow that's reflective of the job they did versus they did a good job and the results didn't happen how they thought.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I think that I, I did it not I, you know, I got to that place on the ambulance, not consciously.
0: Yeah. Like
1: I said, I, I got there out of a sense of, of self-preservation. Sure. Um, but that slowly translated to other areas of my life over time. Uh, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not the quickest <laughs> learner. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, slowly. And, Something and, we have in common. <laughs> and, and, you know, somebody said, you know, in that course I'm in, they said, you know, we're 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 not responsible for how our children turn out. We're responsible for being the best parents that we can be. And I feel like that's just another version of what Definitely. what I learned. And yeah. I think that's true in anything, like whether it's a business, whether it's a relationship, a marriage, uh, a friendship, uh, whatever it is, it's like you can't control how that, how this life is going to turn out, but you can do the best job that you can do. Um, Another thing that i that that ties into that I learned on the ambulance is I could say whatever I wanted to my partners and I could put on whatever airs I wanted to the family, and I could do whatever bullshit shenanigans you know the ego gets you to do, but after that call and you go into the bathroom and you look yourself in the mirror, you know whether or not you did your best work, yeah. You know whether or not, and so one of the things that I appreciate, and I've, i um, about that line of work, and I've I've carried that on um, in my into the classroom and tried to impart it into my students is like this isn't the kind of test you want to cheat on. Yeah, <laughs> this is this this line of work is not about who got the best grade and who's the valedictorian of the class. You know, oftentimes in my experience, the valedictorian doesn't have a clue as to how to actually treat a patient. Yeah. They just had the book smarts. This line of work is about really I mean, I I I joke and I'm I'm sarcastic, but we 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 really do have an impact on people and families. And you either have what it takes or you don't. And if you don't pay attention in class and you're just gonna, you know, BS your way through it, how are you gonna run that 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 overdose. How are you going to run that cardiac call, you know? If you don't know what you're doing, that becomes obvious real fast and and you are you are laid bare and naked for for all your coworkers to see that you don't know what you're doing. And I saw people who failed immediately. They they did not have what it took. I saw tragic calls and and believe me, everyone in that line of work has has a breaking point. Yeah. Uh, I, I got close. Yeah. I got real close. <laughs> um, I got real close, but but I appreciate that line of work because, you know, um, and, and maybe in, in, it, I'm not saying it's only in that line of work, but when you look yourself in the mirror, um, I can't speak to other people, but I couldn't lie to myself. You know, I'd look myself in the eye and I know. And you don't always do your best work. Yeah. And you have to come to terms with that.
0: Yeah, and anything, any job you have,
1: right? But but now you're talking with you're Life playing with death. people's lives. Yeah, and like y- you know, did you make a mistake? I mean, and I, and I tell people, have you, know,
0: you have you had those mistakes? Oh, or I made mistakes. Yeah. I
1: made plenty of mistakes. Um, I am grateful that none of my mistakes killed anybody. Now, some of my mistakes didn't save somebody, and there is a difference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there yeah. is a difference. Yeah. You know, sure. I mean, I I have a a, a a story. One of the first big mistakes I made, and you learn from those more than others, and um, and I I have no problem laughing at myself. And some people may hear this and be horrified that I can I can joke about this, but but I learned. So I was before I got on the ambulance, um, I I did ski patrol for many years, and I was. An EMT basic, which is kind of low on the totem pole. It was my second season. And I remember I had a guy with a broken, slash, you know, injured, slash, dislocated shoulder. I didn't have enough experience to know what was wrong with his shoulder. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel right. And he was in a ton of pain and it was obviously deformed. Were you um, on the
0: slopes at the time? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so I showed up and because I. It was my second season. I may, This was many years ago. Yeah. So I'm a little hazy on the details, but I remember that the guys who showed up to help me, this was their first season. Oh. So they were assuming that I knew what I was doing. Okay. I barely knew what I was doing. <laughs> All right. And we had this, this really, at the time, this, for any of you medics out there, we had a thing called the real splint, R-E-E-L. And it was this newfangled contraption that could double as a couple or triple. It had all these different uses, and it was just kind of complicated. And a couple of lessons learned. One, if you don't really know this newfangled piece of equipment real well, toss it aside and use what you knew, know, tried and true.
0: Don't
1: mm-hmm. figure it out on the fly. So I sort of knew how this thing worked. And <laughs> I put it on his his arm and and you know shoulder, and I immobilized everything, and uh, you know, strapped it to, you know, um, used some bandages, tie it to his chest so it wouldn't bounce around and put him in the toboggan and skied down to the aid room. And all the way down, he's every bump. He's like, ow, oh my God. And he's yelling, he's screaming. He's in tons of pain. I know it. As I wasn't a paramedic yet, so I didn't have access to pain meds to give him to him. And sure. And, you know, I was just like, this isn't going to be a long ride. You know, sorry, dude. You know, suck it up. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I said it nicer than that, but uh, I get him down to the aid room, you know, our little sort of clinic, and my medical director was working that day, the doctor, and he's in there, and so I bring him in, and if it's a dislocated shoulder, he's going to reduce it, you know, and just fix it right there. Sure. At the time, I didn't know how. It's actually a very simple procedure. Now I know. So I bring it in, and my medical director, we put him on the bed, my medical director looks at him, and he looks at me. And I knew him, and he's a really nice guy, and we got along well. But it's my second season. I don't know him super well. And he said, this is a shoulder injury, right? And I said, yeah. And he just starts laughing. He's chuckling. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this, <laughs> this probably isn't good. Why is my medical director laughing? And he goes, now remember, this is a shoulder injury. He goes, that is the best splinted elbow I have ever seen. <laughs> Oh, God. I got so wrapped up in in this stupid splint that I didn't know how to work that I ended up, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but I ended up immobilizing his elbow, which means I put this big, heavy splint as a dead weight on his arm that was like pulling on his shoulder all the way down. Did I cause any more harm to him? Probably not. Did I learn a lot? Was I horribly embarrassed? Did I feel bad for this patient? Did I basically just feel like an asshole? I certainly did. And any EMT out there, any paramedic out there who tells you that they never made mistakes like that is just flat out lying. Yeah. They're just flat out lying.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, if I could take it back, I would. Unfortunately for that guy, his pain taught me a lot. (laughs) Whoever you are, thank you very much. I appreciate it. But those are the calls I learned from. Those, the mistakes are where you learned and it's impossible not to make some of those mistakes. And so do you rise, you know, like, like I can tell you, do you, do you, do you, do you beat yourself up? Um, some people couldn't handle, if the mistake was big enough, they couldn't handle it. And yeah, they just packed their bags and, and quit the, quit the profession. It wasn't for them. And that line of work is not, it's, it's really not for everybody.
0: Um yeah. I mean, cause you make mistakes in any profession, but that one, your, your mistakes can hurt someone else. And yeah. that's, that's gotta be a difficult thing to deal with if you don't have the skills or know how.
1: It is. I mean, I looked like an idiot in front of my peers. I looked like an idiot in front of my medical director. I looked like an idiot in front of my patient. I, I mean, I, you know, all of the above. And if, 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 uh, if I hadn't, been able to put my ego in check, that might've just been horrible. Well, what do
0: you, I mean, what quality do you think got you through it? I mean, what, what's the quality that you see with people who are able to actually just go keep going regardless of that
1: Um, versus someone who can't. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it was my, my desire to learn. Mm-hmm. My desire to be good at that job, my desire to to be a th- uh, helpful, serve people, um, you know, maybe that allowed me to put my ego in check. Yeah. Um, and my ego is not always in check. Believe me, I I, I had my moments, but um, you know, maybe it 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 that allowed me to not be you know horribly embarrassed and you know just quit. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I I couldn't say exactly, but that that's what it was for me. Mm -hmm. Um. So,
0: got some good lessons here. Um. I'm gonna. We'll probably have you back because I'm sure there's a lot more stories and a lot more lessons learned where that came from. I I do have a question which I thought that I would start asking my guests and that's it. And it's kind of perfect for, to start with you because uh, of all the talk of death and life and all of that, is it if you were dead today and you were at your own funeral, um, what, what would you, and you could tell people what you learned, what would you say
1: that life taught you? What did life teach me? Obviously, I, I will answer in the present of right course. now. You know, I mean... Yeah, at you any, haven't at thought about this. Point, yeah. <laughs> right, at any given point. I mean, if you asked me this 10 years ago, it would be different. Of but course. right now, what I would say, what has life taught me? Um, what has life taught me? I think life has taught me... Life has taught me that that, the, the, that you learn through adversity that you you learn when things are hard and that doesn't mean that you want it to be hard and that doesn't mean that that it's just yeah i think overall what i would say what comes to mind right now is that you learn through adversity and that you know if you make it make it out alive it won't go on forever like whatever you're feeling right now whatever you're experiencing right now whatever is happening right now that may that's that may not be what tomorrow is or next week or next month and we and that we we get caught up i think often or at least i do in the immediacy of what's happening whether it's you know a presidential four-year term and you don't like who's in office or you know you you're having some financial issues in your life or you're having some relationship issues or you're having you know whatever stress is happening in your life it can feel like this is the way it's always been. And this is the way it's going to continue to be. But the truth is, it, it's life's constantly changing. It's constantly throwing something new. And so, um, and I think that's, that's what life has taught me is that you don't know what tomorrow is. And so tomorrow may be fantastic. Tomorrow may, literally tomorrow may be full of tragedy, you know we all may wake up one of these mornings here in Southern California and half this city is leveled by, you know, the big earthquake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. what, a, what a horrible day. Yeah. And, and, and then they'll, they'll make a movie about it and say, Oh, and they'll, they'll say the day before they'll show people like running about doing mundane things <laughs> and all this crap. And then all of a sudden, boom, where were you when that hit? Obviously that's a very dramatic example, but, um, you know, there's, there's lots of little, I mean, I hate that term today, microaggressions. Oh my God. But you know, there's little (laughs) micro tragedies that happen in our life and shit happens every day. And, and then there's really big stuff and you just don't know what tomorrow's going to be. You don't know what, what tomorrow's going to bring. And, um, that's, what's terrifying about life. And that's what's sometimes exciting about life. And that's what, and I think if you can, if we can remember that, I think that's what life has taught me is that if I can remember that, I can, I can weather things. I can, I can deal with the highs and lows because whatever's happening now is just, it's not what's going to keep happening.
0: Well, thank you so much, Siri, that uh, you've definitely showed us a lot of wisdom from your life. <laughs> <laughs> truly. Really, hear that. Truly. A lot of wisdom. Uh, and just things that you've learned in your life and and so i just want to appreciate you being on the show and for taking that time and i hope you all enjoyed listening to siri tell his story and spin his tale right no problem thank (laughs) you talk story anyway so thank Thank you. you all for listening and uh love to have you back with us next time